you felt like at first when it happened, your revenue just went from being successful to absolutely nothing. And you think, how are we going to cope with this? I actually think now we're unstoppable. What we need is to be left alone to trade and to do business and to manage the responsibilities and let, and let people manage the risk that they're, they're willing to do. I think we're coming into the age of daydreamers. I think there's been a, a bit of an awakening. If you can dream it, you can make it possible. Hello, I'm James Marriott and welcome to the Unlimited podcast, connecting business across the Sheffield City region. Every month we bring you exclusive interviews and we get under the surface of the stories you're reading in the magazine. As ever, Unlimited editor Richard Fiddler is with me. Open for business is the theme this month we've got three guests that we're going to be hearing from from three different industries but who've all been hit fairly hard by what's been happening over the past 12 months and we kind of stand at this crossroads at the moment don't we rich where restrictions are starting to be eased we're all looking towards the future with a bit of hope a bit of optimism and it's a real pivotal time for business it is, and I think it was quite an interesting conversation where there was a lot of truths spoken, a quite a lot of hard truths spoken as well over the past twelve months, and how difficult it's been uh, for these particular industries. Um, but I think what was was really good is how they've all almost kind of embraced it grudgingly, obviously, uh, but are coming out of it stronger with uh, slightly different business models, uh, but equally uh, looking to attain their sort of core business. But being able to add on to that, listening to them all, that the sort of sense of frustration that they've had is is clear to to hear, um, and I think in, in I suppose in different ways they've all said very much the same thing, of being allowed to get on with stuff and being allowed to be trusted, uh, knowing what their businesses can do, but more importantly, knowing what their customers want and, and how they will behave as well. I think we've had twelve months where, and I know one of the analogies that they talked about in the conversation was been invited to a, part, a children's party and I think it's a very apt one because we've had 12 months where we have been treated like children you know literally told what to do told what not to do and I think people are, are pretty much sick of it now um, and I think hearing the three uh, people on the call um, they know what they want they know how, to, how it will operate and they're not daft they're responsible business owners uh, and they will welcome customers back with open arms and make sure everybody is, is safe and happy. And they just need to be left to get on with it now. That, and I think that is the thing that's coming through, not just from this this podcast, but just in general from business people that I speak to as well. I was going to ask you that really about, um, I mean, you're, you're in touch with businesses, you know, day in, day out. What is the, what's the mood that you're picking up? Is it optimism? Is it uh, caution? What What's the overriding feeling? There's a lot of optimism out there. I think business people do fall into two camps as well. There's this sort of the buccaneering entrepreneur that, that just you know sweeps all before them. But I think behind everybody there's a, a sense of caution as well in, in any business. They've got to be able to pay their bills at the end of uh, end of the month. I think what this last year has taught people is that they are able to take their existing business and change it around and make it better, make it more streamlined. Agile is a word that gets thrown around everywhere. The word pivot, I think people are sick of, almost sick to death of hearing that as much as uh, jump on a Zoom. But I think there's definitely an optimism because people are still around, businesses are still there. Yes, there's been uh, job losses in certain sectors, but uh, some of the businesses that I speak to that are about to open up, they're going to go on a massive recruitment drive, for instance. So 
hopefully uh, people that have, have been put out of work will be able to uh, you know re-enter that industry and get their jobs back and I think that this just to go back to the optimism world I think people are seeing it as a bit of an awakening this summer and there's no reason why it can't really be a, a very very um, very strong 2021 as we enter the autumn now at that point that's when I think people will have to start to, to have another look because it's a seasonal virus uh, we've sort of seen the peaks and troughs over the last 12 months but the summer should be uh, foot to the floor Okay, later on, Dan Laver will be here talking to Ray from Why Change and Unlimited's feature writer Jill Theobald uh, is here with her own guest as well this month. The Unlimited podcast is hosted by Captivate.fm, the easiest way to create and distribute your podcast. And it's produced by me, James Marriott. If you'd like to find out more about how to create a podcast for your business, then drop me a line, james at unlimitedbusiness.com. For now... Let's talk about the Sheffield City region being open for business. Well, it was certainly a challenging 2020 for a lot of businesses across the Sheffield City region. And the start to 2021 didn't quite go according to script either. But here we are at the point that we are now starting to see restrictions eased and things finally opening up for business again. Today we're joined by three people from different parts of the business world to hear about, well, their experiences during the pandemic and their hopes for the future. They're all in sectors that have been hit pretty hard by lockdown. So Nathan Angus is the Managing Director of Wildfire, the experience agency based in Sheffield, who do things like big team building events, Christmas parties, huge conferences, pretty much any event you can think of, really. John Harrison owns the Beer House Micropub on Ecclesall Road, the very first micropub in Sheffield, no less. And of course, we're, we're all well aware of the impact of COVID on pubs and bars and the nighttime economy generally. And Craig Law, who is a partner at the law firm Keebles in Sheffield and works with several businesses in the hospitality sector. Nathan, going to kind of ask you first about your experience of the 12 months as we as we look backwards really during the pandemic it's been 12 months since we've done a live event and that is our sort of bread and butter as to what we what we do what we survive on we we had to we were quite fortunate in that we pivoted as much as I hate to use that word to uh, to online events very quickly and that's pretty much all we've done in that amount of time we're in a bit of a dilemma with clients because we have some clients now inquiring wanting to do events and smaller events before june the 21st and we have two events booked for june the 22nd so because those dates aren't definite yet we're, we're still unsure as to what's going to be happening we've had a lot of staff on furlough we've had a lot of some staff we had to make redundant and it's it's just been a constant battle to see where the next bit of revenue is going to come from really Thanks, Nathan. John, I mean, I, I, I struggle now as I try and look back to sum up the different stages of open and closed and part open and part closed and substantial meals and groups of six and all, all the different things that, that you've really had to deal with in the pub sector. I know it's something you've been quite quite vocal about. What What's kind of your thoughts now as you look back over the last 12 months? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, 
one of the big issues, and like I said, I've been quite vocal about it, is the sort of unfairness that the hospitality industry as a whole has sort of felt. It's kind of felt like we've been the unpopular child, you know, getting invited to a party. You know, you can come to the party, but you've got to bring, you know, food. Okay, we'll bring some food. Right, now you've got to sit down. Okay, well, we'll sit down. Now you've got to put a mask on if you're going to go to Yes, we'll do that. Okay, you've got to do tables. Yes, we'll do that. Each time we've done what they've asked us to do, and each time we've faced further restrictions, despite the fact that, you know, it's shown that um, from their own figures, government figures, PHE figures, that actually hospitality's never really contributed to any sort of spike within the within the virus rate. So, yeah, it's been a really difficult 12 months. And like you said, you know, Nathan, about pivoting, um, you know, we've pivoted, 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 and, and, and yet still we've always faced more restrictions and the hospitality industry spent half a billion pounds being sort of COVID secure across the uh, across the industry. And yet still, you know, we're going into uncertainty. And we're so, I think we found it really, really difficult. Uh, and it feels like we've been sort of targeted and been the one that's been, I know everyone's been hit hard, but it, it feels like almost without cause or due reason that we've had to, to sort of do the most, but yet still been the hardest hit with um, restrictions. And Craig, I mean, give us a little bit of an insight into uh, the the kind of businesses that that you've been working with, and 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 kind of the the, the twelve months that they've had. Yeah, well, I, I tend to to work with a lot of uh, hotel operators, um, but also bar and restaurant owners as well. And, and I think it's fair to say that um, that I think they've all had a, a pretty horrendous twelve months. Um, uh, mostly, I think John has mentioned, you know, that the uncertainty and. and you know, they, they seem to be making capital investments into, you know, making the place safe and making it COVID secure, and then to be told that they can't open as well. So it's it's a real double whammy for, for those operators, and um, you know, it's difficult managing the, um, you know, the kind of expenditure and, and the cash flows, and you know, some very difficult conversations with those clients in terms of how they can work with external stakeholders, you know, landlords and various. Hotel management agreements and various you know, people that um, that they that they tend to have to, to to pay money to to operate their business and how they can restructure those. So we've we've done a lot of kind of rent concessions and rent abatement, and I think it's probably fair to say that some some operators and some clients have, have had better luck than others. Um, some landlords have been quite forgiving, and others have been quite mercenary. Um, so it, very tricky, and uh, kind of a number of issues that have cropped up on the, on the legal side of things. Not 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 just the property side, which I focus on, but, but pretty much across the board on the commercial side. It, it kind of feels from, um, you know, hearing uh, all, all three of you talk there that it's kind of been a bit of a year of, of sort of firefighting, really, just to kind of survive and and get through. And I think one of the things that I'm quite keen to explore today really is, you know, just what, what the future might start to, to look like with a little bit of certainty. I mean, you know, Nathan, you, you, um, I, I know that the work that, that you do was, you know, some really big, huge events as you kind of take stock now and look to the future. I mean, what, what, what do you think it looks like for wildfire? Because those kind of big events still feel like they could be some way off. It's hard to actually plan and hard to know what's going to happen next. Um, I think that virtual is always going to be a part of our industry now. I think we are doing some conferences for people, but then the hybrid. So you'll have 10 people in the audience and then the rest will just be put out um, digitally. 
But then people think that customers think if you're doing it all digitally, then it should be cheaper. But if you're doing a hybrid, really, it's double the cost because you've, you're actually putting the live event on for the 10 people there. But then you're actually having to put it out there as well, such as the, the large conferences and the large team builds and things like that, where the restrictions from the government are so. And as John said, you, you plan for one thing to happen. Like with Christmas, at one point we thought we were going to get, be able to have some Christmas parties and we thought, right, if we can just get through this to Christmas, if we can have some Christmas parties and there might be smaller ones or there might be smaller events and things like that. But then what happens is you, you end up with the tier system or you end up with something else like that. So the tier system were based in Sheffield. Our events were all over the place and you had some of our competitors who could do events because they were in a different tier to us, but we weren't able to leave the different areas. And it was so confusing that... I think really what we need to have from the government is just set guidelines as to on this date, you can do this and you can do that. And then everybody knows where they stand at the moment. It's hard to actually plan anything with our clients and especially the big events, because like you had some people with football, some stadiums were allowed to have some people in, some people weren't. And then that just went away again. It's it's hard for you to just put it out there because we work uh, all over the all over Europe. We can't just say to our clients, yes, we can, or no, we can't. We'd have to say, well, we can in this area, but we can't in this area. And we have a we have a conference booked for a client, 170 people, but it's uh, in June. And they are still wanting to push forward with it, but it's, it's in June and it's in Wales. So it's a hotel in Wales, which you can, you can fit 500 people in the room. So there's enough space for social distancing. But we're still going to have to wait until the very last moment until we actually know if we can, if the hotel's going to allow it, if the government's going to allow it. And it's just that uncertainty that you have to try and show the client that you are confident and you know what you're talking about and you know what you're doing. But in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, well, this could change one minute or that could change another minute. On January the 4th, when we brought everybody back from Christmas, we said to everyone, right, we're going to fight this. We're bringing everybody back in the office. We developed a new team building event called Get Fired Up. Said 2021 is going to be a really positive year. We're not going to let Corona kick us down or anything like that. We're going to have everybody in the office again. We'd put all screens and everything so that everybody was going to be socially distanced. Everybody was going to be safe. So everybody back in January 4th, everybody's feeling really positive. Boris comes on TV at five o'clock that day, says everybody needs to work from home again. So then I'm just all staff, right? You need to work from home or certain staff who can't work from home have to be furloughed again. And it's just, you try and have that upbeat mentality and then something else changes or something else changes. And so it's it's trying to have the foresight to have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, because you have so many different things that will happen all the time. It's interesting that kind of what you talk about there, I guess, is is needing, I, I suppose, a, a really clear roadmap now. And, and you know, a lot of people have said that what, what we don't need to do is to go backwards. You know, we've got to make sure that when we do these things that it's now sustainable so that business is able to to plan properly. You know, we can't have another year of, of being, you know, here, there and everywhere in terms of restrictions and tiers and all, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, you know, a couple of the sectors that we're talking about today in kind of pubs and hospitality and hotels, what, what's been happening there has been quite well documented and publicised. People have talked about it a bit. But Nathan, it kind of feels like what you do has gone perhaps a little bit under the, the, the radar. What kind of help have you had and has it been enough? We, we've had minimal help, really. We To try and get anything from the council, was we were told that our sick code wasn't right. We were told we couldn't get rate relief because we're classed as a warehouse, we're not classed as a venue. 
Um, even though we couldn't actually take any of the, the equipment out, we had to battle and battle. It was only because I got a YouTube clip of Rishi Sunak saying the events industry should um, still get rate relief that we were able to get that, and we sent that to the council. We've managed to get uh, a little bit of grants from the council as well, but then, and I, I completely appreciate how hard it's been for the hospitality industry, but then the events industry, because we don't even have our own sick code, it's only in the past few months that it's come into that for events and exhibitions. We've not had, um, we've not had the cut in VAT. We've not had anything like that. And it's, it's kind of, we've been sort of, it's like, and I completely appreciate that hospitality, like John said, has been the person who's been invited to the party and told you have to do this, you have to do that. We've not even been invited to the party. We've just sort of just been left as we are. But then me and as my business has had more of a chance to pivot to do certain things because we can do things digitally. You can't actually go for a beer digitally. It's not the same thing. So everybody in our industry, and I know because I speak to a lot of people, it just feel like we've kind of been forgotten about. And Really, it's one of the things that, that the UK does best. You have so many people from overseas coming to different exhibitions, and it's one of the things that we are renowned for doing. All you have to do is look at the Olympics and all the different things that we do as a nation, and we're, it's one of the things that we're fantastic at doing, but then we've just been kind of completely forgotten about and not given any any grants or any funding or anything like that and there's sadly there's a lot of a lot of people who i know in the industry have have either lost their jobs had the businesses have gone bust or have just completely left the industry and there's a dearth of uh, talent now because a lot of people have left and have had to get nine to fives or delivering amazon or whatever it may be and are no longer that talent is no longer in the industry that it used to be John, you know, let, let's go back to pre-COVID days and, and there was, you know, there's a lot of talk then about pubs that were struggling and, you know, the, all the stats about the number of pubs that shut down on any one given day around the country and all that kind of stuff. What what impact will this have, do you think, on the pub industry as a whole? I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question because I think, you know, the, the pub industry as a whole obviously is made up of different styles and different types of pubs. So you've got the wet lead pubs and the dry lead pubs. And if you look at the sort of support that was given, the eat out to help out the, the cut on the vat for food, uh, it seems like, you know, the, the Conservatives' idea of what a pub is, is is quite different to what a lot of, you know, inner city or, or working class sort of pubs are. Uh, and so I think going forward, the support will be there perhaps with the vat cuts and more for the sort of food led, you know, I, I don't like to say the Witherspoon style, but the Witherspoon's, you know, brand will do well there. They're investing another £145 million pounds they announced a couple of weeks ago regarding refurbishing their pubs. So they've probably come out stronger. The furlough schemes obviously helped them massively when they got pushed into actually furloughing their staff. So some area of the industry will do okay. Those with big outside spaces, because I think outside spaces are going to be quite key for the next sort of 12 months and beyond. Lots of people have invested in outside areas now, haven't they, with the marquees or with you know, sort of uh, structures. Obviously, the, the structures, again, lots of people are going to find out next, uh, it went, after Monday when they've done it, where um, the structures that they've built are not necessarily compliant with outside reg uh, leg legislation for, uh, you know, indoor and outdoor catering. So the, the wet-led pubs, i.e. us, where they are drink-orientated, it's going to be difficult. We're in a quite fortunate position that we are small, and you, you touched on it earlier about uh, the sort of landlord, uh, Craig was talking about, you know, the, the, some of the landlords have been great, some of them, ours has been fantastic. 
Uh, you know, she's been really, really good with us. Um, let us off with rent payments. Uh, we've had to, we've, we've paid her when she said, listen, you don't need to pay. We said, no, because we, we, we've pivoted and done deliveries and uh, we've got an online shop and we've done this sorts of thing. So we said, no, we want to pay you. No, we'll pay you half. We'll pay. So we've been really fortunate. Our overheads are quite small um, compared to lots of, you know, establishments in the industry that have big rate bills, uh, big rent bills. So you can't really generalize from the hospitality industry as a whole because it's because it's fragmented. Uh, some will survive, some will thrive, and some will go under, uh, and that will be solely dependent upon, you know, again, the, the outcost, the, the outgoings, and the costs for running that business. It's difficult to predict. One of the things I think concerns me, as a, you know, in my previous life as a as a head of psychology, is the is the change in behavioural patterns about how people will operate now, especially in crowds. If I was a nightclub owner. I would be concerned uh, if I was a large venue operator. I'd be concerned because people going back to be comfortable in a large environment, given that the fear and the the message that we've been receiving for 12 months has been so loaded around isolation and, and not being in crowds that actually you might find it takes a while for people to be able to feel comfortable being in a crowded environment. If if you said to people now, how would it feel to be you know, in a packed pub like we used to be, when which was great, you know, stood at a bar five deep with people around us and, you know, the noise and the, the hub of, of, of people. I think people, a certain percentage of people would find it concerning and wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable being back in that environment. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the difference is in terms of people's behaviour. Uh, and we'll only find that out as, as we go forward. Obviously, we're in a situation now whereby, you know, outside space, beer gardens are, are, are back on the uh, agenda. What what do you need now from the government moving forward? Because last year, you know, we had these sort of phases of, you know, must be with a substantial meal or all from the same household or, you know, various other kind of restrictions and things like that. What what do you now need as, as future restrictions are eased? to give you guys the best chance of surviving and ultimately, you know, t- turning things around and thriving? Honestly, what we need is to be left alone, I think. You know, obviously it's difficult because we understand, you know, the current situation that we've been in and the situation that we've been in and the need to control, you know, a pandemic. Uh, but what we need is to be left alone to trade and to, and to do business uh, and to manage the responsibilities and, le- and let people manage the risks that they're, they're willing to, to, to do. You know, I think when we talked earlier about, the sort of vaccination rates and, and the death rates and everything else like that. Once we got into a position, we were told once people were vaccinated and the vulnerable groups, groups one to nine were vaccinated, that the restrictions would go away and it would be allowed to operate. And, and now it looks like, you know, when they're talking about introducing vaccine passports and further controls around this stuff, you know, we don't need that. What we need is once the rates of the deaths and the hospital rates are down to, to minimal uh, and, the, and it looks like the risk of death has gone, what we need to be able to do is allow people to manage their own personal responsibility. And if, like, like I said before about how people feel comfortable about going to a football match or a concert, you know, let people make that decision themselves. Uh, and some people won't be comfortable. Some people will be comfortable. Uh, you think about the young people in the last year have lost out on so much of their life. I feel sorry for the university students who've gone to university in Sheffield who've missed out on, on so much. And really, they, they should be allowed now to, to manage that responsibility. And that's what we need. We need to be left alone to, to, to do business. It's been it's been a long, hard slog. The, the, the goalposts have been moved constantly. 
Uh, we've been sort of, you know, vilified in the press as, you know, vectors of, of, of disease where that's not the case. We've been the only industry really that's taken it really, really seriously in terms of track and trace, you know, going into supermarkets. This is where I get vocal and annoyed, you know, going into supermarkets and in, into these sorts of places where there is no control. There is no managing who's touch what. There's no sanitation. There's no, uh, you know, there's no two meters in, in the queues. You've all been in supermarkets. We've seen what's happened. So when you compare that, and people say this when you say it, you say, I, I felt most more safe in a hospitality venue than I have in most of the places that I've been in the last 12 months. So what we need is, is for them to go away and to let us to trade and to let us manage the risk as we have done successfully and let people make their choices about what they're comfortable doing. And hopefully we get back into a sort of level of normality in the next sort of 12 months. Cheers, John. And and Craig, I mean, I'll bring you in at this point in, in terms of thinking particularly about the, the hotels that, that you work with. What what do they need to see happen now? Well, you know, again, it's the certainty, isn't it? I mean, the, the problem with hotels and as with you know a lot of the, the kind of operators in the, in the leisure industries, it's all interdependent. So, you know, until they've got some foresight on whether large events can go forward or whether the nighttime economy can, can kick itself back into into action, it's really difficult for them to plan around what occupancy levels are going to be. Um, I think there's also, a, you know, a real um, worry that you know you, you kind of destination venues in the Cotswolds and, and, and out for a few operators that, that have those types of hotels. I think they're quite quite excited and, and expecting there to be some real buoyancy um, with the staycation uh, kind of trend that's hopefully going to come in. But you look at the the other types of hotels that, that rely on um, traveling businessmen and people going to meet. There's a real question over whether you know, Nathan touched upon whether the new the new normal will be you know conferencing, which will be online, or whether there will be you know no, no more meetings where people are traveling to. So again, I think it's going to affect different operators in a different way depending on the type of model that they operate. I mean, some that have got a, a portion of each i think it will balance itself out but if you've got a, a four or five hotels and it all relies on business travel or large events and, and, and you know, things that are going to generate large occupancy numbers then i think you're going to be looking at this with a bit of trepidation at the moment and thinking where you know when are we going to be able to get back to some normality because you know people are looking at the dates now and thinking well it'll be fine because it, it will open but actually until the big events start coming in and the nighttime economy um, does does trundle back into life, then I think it's really going to be hard for, for operators to um, to get back on the feet. And there has been support for them. And you know, when I, when I hear Nathan speaking, you know, I, I, I think they've probably actually been quite lucky that the hotel sector, um, compared to how you know Nathan seems to have uh, businesses seems to have missed out on on that support. But it's it's not enough. It hasn't been enough. It can't be enough because. You know, when you've got large hotels or you've got large restaurants, um, you've got to think about capex and capital expenditure that's, that's needed on that hotel. And there's been no money. And, you know, you might have had buildings sat there for, for 12 months. And you've got dilapidation, liability with landlords. And, you know, you may have to spend considerable sums of money to bring those ho- hotels or those, those operations back up to a level that can operate. So, you know, where are they going to find that kind of money as well? Um, there's all these kind of questions now that will be buzzing around in in the heads of business owners that are, that are operating in the hotel and in and in the restaurant and, and pub trade, I think the smaller ones, hopefully, from what from a lot of the research that I'm, I'm seeing, um, they're hoping that there will be a spike for the independents, and, and that's really what I, I do hope because that's what's needed. Um, you know, the bigger chains will have 
the financial muscle to, to, to survive this and to come out of it okay. But it's the independence that I'm hoping will see a real spike and buoyancy when we can get back to some normality. You know, John's business, for example, you know, is, is reliant upon people going and going back to the, to the to, to buy and spend money on beer. Uh, and whereas some of the, the larger breweries will will be able to weather this and will you know will be fine. So it's really going to be dependent on how quickly people feel comfortable, as John has said, coming back into into that that atmosphere. You mentioned there about particularly looking at, at you know hotels and 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 some bigger restaurants about you know these big buildings that have been sat empty for 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 such a long time. I mean, my my question was going to be you know how how long before these places do you think can can start to see a little bit of of normality returning but i guess the question is will will things ever kind of go back to how they were do you think for for, for some of these bigger businesses i, I don't think so I, I think you know certainly some of the some of the businesses and operators that i'm speaking to are looking to exit those in, in any way possible and you know so there's been lots of talks of pre-packing uh, dropping them into administration or you know lots of insolvency type um, options and in fairness it's the only option they've got you know they have it's a very difficult conversation to have because you know there's jobs at stake and they do gen- generally feel for their staff and and the employees but they have been faced with an option where you know a big section of their business or a whole of their business has been rendered not viable because of the, the loss of certain types of trade that they're going to have so you know, if you've got a franchise holiday inn that's on the A, you know, one of the major A roads out to Wales, you know, how 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 often are you going to get business travels in there to, to go and occupy that? You know, it's it's not a destination hotel, and therefore who's going to go and stop in it? So there's lots of questions, and I think there's I think until you know it all flows through and we know exactly what the world is going to look like, I, I think it's really difficult for the people in the industry to to get a picture of of what, what where we're going to be in twelve months. Thank you, Craig. I mean, some really interesting points that have have been raised. It kind of feels right to to wrap this up by trying to look on uh, perhaps a more positive side. And I know it's 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 not not a subject that we necessarily think about in a in a positive um, way. But but kind of final question really is just you know are are there positives on the um, horizon, John? One of the things that has been real strength, uh, and Nathan's talked about this as well, is about how the businesses have pivoted and opened up new revenue streams and new income streams. And one of the strengths of, of the independence as well that Craig talks about is more independence. We definitely want more independence because we put the life and soul into, into the business. Uh, and because we are able to pivot and do new things, that's opened up a lot of different things that we wouldn't have necessarily done. You know, we, we wouldn't have, have run a, a beer delivery service. We wouldn't have set up a site for ordering and click and collect and these things. So, one of the things that I think we will see, the real positive, is that while we've adapted and been forced to adapt and forced to change what we do, it's actually opened up a whole new world for us in what we can actually offer. And that's not just in the pubs industry, that's across, you know, Nathan talked about doing virtual conferences and these things. What we've got now is because of the resilience and the, and the strength of independent operators, uh, we've got an ability now to, to do things differently. And I think, you know, we relish that opportunity to do to do more it's quite easy to be comfortable when things are going well and and, and not necessarily look too far into the future uh, and i think what we have now and what we've had to do is to look what is in the future what can we do what's the next hurdle that we've got to get over uh, because of the the natural sort of i want to say brilliance of, of independent operators that we've actually we've done that now 
And I think that will carry on. I think we will carry on looking at how do we go forward? What can we do more? What can we do more of? And so I think as a customer experience, there's going to be much more options for people and there's going to be different ways of operating that are more comfortable for some people than others. And uh, I think that's a real strength. You know, I think a lot of people will hopefully, uh, when things get back to normal, will have sort of uh, different ways to to generate money and will hopefully make more money and, and give customers a better experience. Completely agree with John. I think the adaptability and the resilience shown by the hospitality and the events trade, I know people who have completely changed. I mean, some of my members of staff, I've got one of my members of staff who's used to going out and instructing quad bikes and hovercrafts and things like that. And now he's jumping into green screen rooms and presenting and things like that. And I think for us as a business, and uh, I'm sure John will feel this as well, you felt like at first when it happened, your revenue just went from here to been successful to getting absolutely nothing and you think how are we going to cope with this i actually think now we're unstoppable like we the, we've taken on so many more clients that we wouldn't have been able to deal with before because other people weren't as quick to pivot we've got some of the biggest companies in the world using us for these events i've got customers in america customers in lebanon customers in australia and they before wouldn't pay me to go to Australia to do a team building event for them, but I can stick it on Zoom or stick it on MS Teams or something like that. So it just shows the resilience and it gives you added confidence that you can actually, if you can overcome something like this as a business and as individuals, it gives you that sort of inner strength that you can actually overcome anything. And it gives you more positivity looking into the future. So for us, even if we were in lockdown for the rest of the year, I know that we would still be able to generate enough income to keep everybody who works was employed and the fact that i think the fact that the roadmap that they've done i do completely agree with john that they should just leave us alone and let us get on with what we're doing because hospitality has a note of everybody who's going events has a note of everybody who's going but at least we have dates to aim for and then we can try and push that positivity out there and and show people that if they do want to if that changes and they can't do that well they can have a virtual event if we're all in the beer gardens and decide that not going to allow us to go into the pub, then they can go and pick up some beers and can go and pick up things like that. So I think the resilience, the, the way that everybody's adapted and changed shows that there's, there's a lot of fight left in our industries yet. Thanks, Nathan. And, and Craig, any positives from you? Well, it's, it's really encouraging to be on this call, to be honest, to hearing Nathan and John speak about their, their businesses, because it's... Um, you know, my, my worry always is, is that with the independents and the smaller independents in particular, that they get strangled by regulation. And, you know, there's, there's been already been signs of that um, with, you know, imposing certain conditions on outdoor seating, uh, which and, and then we're talking about passports, um, COVID passports, which, again, would be a further strangulation. And I think it, I think if you just let the, the entrepreneurial guys get on with it, I think that we'll, we will be fine uh, and, and let the independents thrive. And certainly in the hotel sector, there's there's real, real positivity around mergers and acquisitions next year for the destination hotels. So while some hotels might not be there, so the destination hotels are, are already getting booked up. And, you know, there's already interest in mergers and acquisitions around certain hotels. So I think when it comes back, it will come back strong. I, I really do. I think it's, a, it's it will certainly there'll be a, a real buoyant kick um, off the back of it. And it's just making sure that the support is there for the independents and the smaller people um, and those that are, are kind of heavily debt laden uh, to make sure that they can keep going through this um, through this intermittent period. 
Thanks, Craig. Great to hear all those positives there. It's been brilliant speaking to all three of you. Um, thank you for your time. And goes without saying, all the very best for the rest of 2021 for your respective businesses and sectors. This is normally the point of the podcast where I would be introducing Unlimited's head of sales, Dan Laver, to have a bit of a chat about what's in the magazine. Dan is here, but um, I'm surplus to requirements because, Dan, you've got your own guest this month that you're going to be chatting to. I do indeed. I brought a friend. I'm here with Ray Byrne from um, the training provider, uh, Why Change? Um, Ray took part in one of our recent features talking about the future of the Sheffield City region. So one of the things that I know Ray's really passionate about is making sure that people are prepared for the future. It's a journey that he's been through himself. And I think it's a journey that really resonates with a lot of the businesses, especially sort of looking at this post-pandemic after a year of being completely hectic and having to fly on the hoof. The planning ahead that Ray did in his own business, I know, has been sort of really impressive and really changed the way that they do things. But Ray, I mean, what are your thoughts? Obviously, working with sort of quite a range of different businesses, you've seen sort of how, how people have tried to apply themselves through the pandemic and setting themselves up to the future. What, what's the sort of keys for that as, as business leaders, I suppose, sort of going into the next couple of years and beyond? I think we're coming into the age of daydreamers. I think we've come through, uh, for those that have gone through the crisis, I think there's been a, a bit of an awakening. And if you can dream it, you can make it possible. Definitely an optimistic time for me. Loads of change, but change isn't a bad thing, you know. You, there's a crisis, obviously, on, on the high street, but there's optimism there, you know. We could do great things with the Cole Brothers site. I think, honestly, it is the time for daydreamers. If you can think it, if you can innovate, if you can say, what if, you can make it come true. Those that have uh, gone through this, this tough year and been brave enough to be optimistic will reap the rewards in the next two or three years. I agree. It's, it's something that I think when I've been speaking to a lot of different um, leaders in, in business, they've really sort of taken things by the reins and I suppose kind of taken control of it and looked not just beyond how they get through it and how they, how they change, but what's happening and what do they look to move into in the next few years. So sort of moving beyond getting past the pandemic, what are the keys that businesses need to learn? Like how do they grow their businesses? How, do they de- how can they develop that and sort of turn it into something that's really going to make them thrive over the next 10 years, I suppose, really. I think it's about relaxing. You know what? We've got some really great people. Everyone's a leader. You know, why don't we just give them all the chance to, like, let loose, let them do what they do well and just nudge everybody in the right direction so they've got the same focus. But let everyone just grow. Nobody wants to do a bad job. You know, the opportunities people have got to go way beyond where they expect their limits it's just have a bit of fun with it that's what i do i'm a really really small company and i i've given up control and i work on influence and it's just the the amazing stuff my team come come to me with just because they they've embraced the accountability of it all is amazing and it just makes me chuckle and and as i said earlier i'm sat in a garage cold because we've got three events going upstairs, none of it to do with me. And they've innovated that. And uh, 
I have to reap. Uh, I'm, I'm the one that gets punished, though, Dan, is probably my, 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 my why I'm upset. <laughs> so it's, it's a time to come forward with sort of your biggest, daftest ideas and implement them and sort of see how you can actually bring them to life. Is that what, is that what you think? What a time we're in. So we're in a time where uh, central governments released money for the development and training. So we've got it within the Sheffield City region. We've got radical change happening in, in, in property. And, uh, and how we can restructure. Why not stick every, every wish that we've ever imagined and, and say, why not? Brilliant. Why not? Well, I'm, I'm happy about that because I've had some really interesting meetings this week and I'm, I'm frankly terrified of the, uh, the sort of things that I'm about to get involved in. <laughs> but you, you, you might hear more about that over the next few weeks. Um, but now, cheers, Ray. Thanks ever so much. I always enjoy catching up with you. And um, yeah, I think the, the inspiration that you give and um, the ideas that you've got for helping implement sort of really big, crazy ideas are always a good, always like great to listen to. And thanks for popping on the podcast, mate. Hey, it's Jill Theobald, Unlimited's lead features writer. I always look forward to our cover story interview, no matter who it is. But I do like them all the more when the subjects come up with my headlines for me. Joking aside, just 10 minutes into my chat with April's cover star, Adam Murray, who is a banner's owner and MD, his passion for his beloved home city and making it a better place for everyone shone through with his mission for Sheffield not to settle for rates, but to instead strive for greats. Also in our April mag, we chat to a whole host of industry experts on the future of the property sector. So it made sense for me to ask Adam as cover star to share his views and predictions for the industry with Unlimited as well. So here's a little exclusive for our podcast listeners. I think from a Sheffield point of view, it's very much built to rent is, is really something that we're seeing a lot of people showing interest in over the past 15 years, I guess, we've seen a huge amount of student development within the city, which has been seen as a bad thing for some reason. I don't really understand that. It's, uh, I think it's a very good thing for the city and has been. Uh, it's, you know, improved the urban area uh, vastly across huge swathes of the city and enables students to have a great place to live and also enables accommodation in areas like Crooks or Effectus or Road to be turn back to standard housing that, that, that people can buy. So that's, that's been really the only game in town um, over the past 15 years or so. And I think that's probably why it gets a bad name because it's kind of, oh, another student scheme. Can't we have something a bit more exciting? But I don't think we should lose sight of, of how good that's been for the city. But um, thankfully, as, as, values increase and, and, and schemes are more viable, more deliverable uh, within the city. We're seeing a lot more variety of more family-based um, products uh, for, for the city. And that includes your bill to rent, which it, it tends to be aimed at your young professionals, but not necessarily exclusively. But we're seeing more and more of those kind of schemes come forward and that will really help to deliver the housing that's required across the city, will help to provide a better aspiration for city centre living in, the, in, in Sheffield, which I think is kind of a missing piece at the moment, alongside more proper family-sized um, units. But with that, we've just got to be careful that we're providing the right amenity and service within the city to supplement uh, those kind of developments because 
you know, you've got to have the right kind of schooling and health provision and things like that. And, uh, and it, it's, it's always on the radar of, of, you know, the right people who, who are involved in these projects. And so I see that as something that's really taking off now and over certainly the next five years. And I think it will make a very dramatic impact on the landscape of the city centre. I think the city centre, although we've seen it change quite dramatically over the past 20 years, I think over the next 10, we might see an even more dramatic change. And for me, that has to be tied into protection of the right elements of the city, the heritage assets that none of us want to lose, the key you know, listed buildings, the conservation areas, which protect those lovely little street patterns that, that, you know, provide us with those nice days out in the city. But then there are, you know, there's a lot of areas within the city that aren't up to that same standard. There's, you know, there's been open car parks, derelict um, buildings and land and delivering, you know, high quality design in these areas and, and, and making those places for people to live and work just adds to that vitality of the city centre. Um, so I think that's where I see us really kind of going forward um, in, in the next five or 10 years. And do you want to um, just tell us about any key projects or developments coming up for Sheffield or the Sheffield City region, either with you guys or elsewhere that, um, that readers should be uh, keeping their eyes out for and expecting big things from? Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots and lots. There's many, many that unfortunately we can't discuss because there are always the initial stages when you you get into your first projects and and you know it's not out in the public arena. But I think the one I'm probably looking forward to most is is the Sheffield Hallam University campus master plan. That's something we're hoping to submit over the coming months, um, subject to getting, you know, everything right and finalised. But it's such an exciting part of the city. It's that entrance to the city from the station. And as you go up the hill there into the, you know, heart of the city, it's something that we should all be walking through feeling proud to be in our city and I'm not so sure that route's had that so far in that location and it's nice to see the science uh, part of buildings coming down at the moment and how we tie all those you know intricate street patterns back in which we're looking to do and using really high quality design that um, the guys at BDP have, have put some real beautiful designs together on that and uh, and I think it's one of those where, where as it starts to come out the ground people will be thinking wow this changes the entrance to our city and makes us even more proud if possible of Sheffield. Well there we have it a lot to take in during this episode 
but some really key messages of optimism and positivity around the Sheffield City region as we open for business. Thank you very much for joining us. The Unlimited podcast is hosted by Captivate.fm, the easiest way to create and distribute your podcast. And it's presented and produced by me, James Marriott. If you'd like to find out more about creating a podcast for your business, please get in touch, james at unlimitedbusiness.com. That's unltdbusiness.com. If you have any feedback, ideas, or suggestions for the show, please drop me a line. And of course, catch up with the current issue of the magazine if you haven't already at unlimitedbusiness.com or keep an eye out for it around the Sheffield City region. Take care and we'll see you next month.